Let me tell you, he loves the people in this church, and I see God growing him, and I appreciate him. I want to get his victory today. But uh, also on that note, 25 years ago today, she said yes. And that's why he's here. And Annabeth. That's why they're here. I sure am glad you said yes. I'm glad you asked. I was either going to ask or kidnap you. It was one or the other. You was, you was coming. Thankful. 25 years. Went by in a blink. It's, it's amazing, but it's great. I, don't have to, I can't get into all that. I'll just talk about you the rest of the service. So, son, come on. Come preach to us. Let's give our youth pastor a hand. Let's give some praise to the Lord. Let's get ready for the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue to give that to God one more time if we could. If we could just, you don't even have to clap your hands. If we could just raise our hands, lift our voice for a moment and just, let's just love on the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, um, well, first, I want to say, too, I mean, I, I know everyone has already been through it, but, you know, I want to say thank you to everyone who has helped with Regeneration Weekend. There are, we've got incredible people in our church that, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I can that I can be in the position that I'm in, but I could not do it without people that help me and people that uh, people that work and do and, and do things that I can't do and that I'm not good at. And I'm so thankful for my church family. And I, I'm 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 saying it to all of you. I'm I'm thankful for you. And uh, I know we've had lots of visitors this weekend. And I I just want to say to RAC, thank you for being you. Yeah, I, I love I love my church and. Uh, all the ministry that this this happened this weekend, brother Doug, sister Ashley, thank you so much. And I, I tell you what, I I thought that I either he was or I was going to just start floating last night while he was preaching. I tell you what, it, there was uh, there there was something about that. I, I I don't know if it was the same way. I'm sure it was for someone else, but there was something about that that. It, it it lit a fire I didn't even know I had inside of me. Just the the passion that he preached with. I'm I'm so thankful for it. And uh, I would love to go in that same uh, vein today. Uh, there's there's a lot of I know that this is technically the the last day of Regeneration Weekend, but. Uh, I'm preaching to all of us. I'm preaching not just to the youth, not just to the hyphen. Uh, I'm preaching to every member of RAC, to every soul that's in this place today. I know that God has given me a word, and there I could I could preach a lot of things to pump us up on this last day. But uh, we've been changed. We've learned how to praise. We've learned. How to, how to stir up that fire inside of us. And I believe today that God is going to speak to us and help us in a different way. Something that's going to change us. And 
you know, I was I was thinking I've, I've been I've been thinking and and just going over it, you know, for for weeks now. But last night I remember thinking, especially as he was preaching about stirring up the fire, I was thinking, how am I going to close out with what I have tomorrow? And you know, because I, I want I want there to be miracles and signs and wonders and God to just deliver people and set people free. But the, the Lord spoke into my spirit and said, if, if the people will receive the word that I've given you for them tomorrow, that will release the love of God to accomplish miracles and signs and wonders, deliverance. And the love of God wants to wash over us in this place today. So if you want to turn with me to Luke 10, Luke 10, starting in verse 25. You got to say amen. amen. Luke 10, starting in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he said, He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, When he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his beast, brought him to an end, took care of him, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay thee. Which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer, he answered and said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And I'd like to, uh, just one more quick portion of reading here. Uh, You don't have to turn to it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. I felt that. Now some of y'all think that I'm fixing to get stupid with this. But I promise you there's a point to it. I want to preach to us for just a few minutes today the tragedy of Humpty Dumpty. And as silly as that sounds, I wish that we could lift our hands and lift our voices right now 
ask God to open our hearts, our minds, and speak to us. Lord, you've done so much. You've been so good. You've delivered and set free, God. There have been people filled with the Holy Ghost, people healed, people delivered. Lord, you've been so good. Lord, I ask right now that you'd energize our minds for just a few more minutes and change us by your word today and let your love wash over us and let your love stir up inside of us so that we can give it, oh God, to speak to us and change us today. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. And let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's give Him a shout of praise. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. With this story of the man left for dead, I want to focus not so much on the Samaritan who helped him, but on the priest and the Levite who did not. And I know that we are, we're just about churched out this weekend, so I'll be brief, but I want you to stay with me today. I want to focus not so much on the Samaritan who helped him, but on the priest and the Levite who did not. Without... A long Bible study here. In short, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. They were chosen from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Levites who were not priests were assigned duties connected to the tabernacle. They assisted the priests. Uh, They were teachers of the law. Uh, They were permitted to go into uh, sacred parts of the tabernacle. They cared for the courts and the chambers of the sanctuary. They had responsibilities that included dismantling and transportation and reassembly of the tabernacle wherever they moved. They were people of God. They were, they were church workers. That's what they were. They were church workers. Just look at it in that, in that perspective. They were church workers. People of God, doing the work of God, following the law of God, teaching the law of God, even setting up, you could say they were, they were carrying the church, so to speak, even with the, when they would move the tabernacle and reset it up anywhere that they would move, they, they, were, they were church workers. So why then were they the ones to pass by this man that was in need. Were they busy with church work? Did they look at him and say, that's a lost cause? Did they look at him and say, oh, he's, he's already, you know, we might as well just call it now. Don't, you know, not even bother with that. That's, I've got, you know, we've got to keep our mind on, on you know, what God's called us to do. And we've, we've got to keep going and, and, you know, we're working, you know, we're church workers. We got to keep our, we can't, you know, there's going to be casualties and, you know, we can't help everybody. We've got to keep, we've got to keep going and doing, you know, what we're called to do. Let me bring Humpty Dumpty to your attention for a minute. And for one reason. I want to show us something so simple, but so profound 
And it shook me to my core when I saw it. God does speak to me in strange ways sometimes. And I, I had to, I really had to, to pray about it. I really had to seek God about it because I, have, I, I did not know why He impressed Humpty Dumpty upon my spirit. But it was God. There are a lot of unknowns in the story of Humpty Dumpty. Firstly, was he an egg? It doesn't say that he was an egg. So I don't know why he's depicted as an egg. Maybe a, a shattered you know, eggshell and yolk is better than uh, you know, a person that has gone splat on the ground for children's nursery rhyme's sake. But that's not important. That's just one of my questions. Was, was this man an egg? But more important questions, like why was he on the wall? Was he up there doing his job? Was he employed in the king's service and he was, he was up there just doing what he was supposed to do? Was he on the wall? Was he watching? Was he working? Was he doing something that he was, he was actually supposed to be doing on the wall? Or was he just being stupid? Was he doing something foolish and dangerous? There, there are, I have friends in this room that, and I myself am guilty of it, for whatever reason, just want to climb stuff that if you slipped, you would just be dead. It would, so maybe he had that mindset. I just want to climb this. I just want an adrenaline rush. I want everybody to see me. I, I don't know if he was just doing something foolish and dangerous. Other questions like, why couldn't the king's men put him back together after his great fall? Did they not know how to put him back together? Were they not equipped to put him back together? Did they not have with them the things needed to help Humpty Dumpty? Or I wonder, did they just say that they couldn't when really they wouldn't. Maybe they saw how great his fall was and how bad the damage was and they wrote him off as a hopeless cause. Maybe they said he, he brought this on himself by climbing up that wall. He knows he's not supposed to. We told him not to over and over again. We go over it every single day before we go out and, and take our shifts. We go over it. Don't climb that wall. We told him not to over and over again. The king's decree, the king's law says not to climb the wall. So, you know what? He's heard it a thousand times. Humpty Dumpty, he, he should have just, you know, he brought this on himself. He brought this on himself. You can only do so much for people, you know. You can only do so much for them. You know, we've told him over and over again. He brought this on himself. But the, no matter all these unknowns, it could be, you know, whatever we put it in our mind to be. But the simple fact is this, and this is what, believe it or not, God spoke to me. The tragedy of Humpty Dumpty is not that he had a great fall. 
The tragedy is not that he had a great fall, but the tragedy is that no one put him back together. The tragedy of this man, or whatever he was, is that no one put him back together when he had his great fall. And if that man had died on the side of the road, the tragedy would not have been so much that he was beaten or that he was robbed or that he even died. The real tragedy would have been that two people of God saw him dying and left him on the side of the road to die. That would have been the tragedy in this story had that man died. Now, I'm not saying, nor do I believe that every priest or Levite who could have passed by would have left them there. But there is something that the Lord is trying to show us in this parable. We ought not to deceive ourselves thinking that we're doing the work of God if we are passing by people who are hurting and dying. I'll say it again, we ought not to call ourselves church workers. And we ought not to call ourselves children of God and workers for God if we pass by people who are dying and people who are hurting and people who are broken and people who cannot help themselves. We ought not to deceive ourselves and say, I'm just doing the work of God if we're not helping people who are broken and dying. Some of them are sitting in the chair next to you today. Some of them you come to church with on a weekly basis. Some of them you see every day of your life. Some of them are, are, like I said, they're in church with you. They, They might be sitting beside you right now. Some of them are out in the world. But it doesn't matter if they've fallen in a trial, if they're just going through a hard time. Or, or if they fall into sin, they fall in because they made the mistake. They uh, made the choice to sin. It doesn't matter why they had their great fall. It doesn't matter why they're laying on the side of the road half dead. It doesn't matter why they need help. It doesn't matter why they need someone to pull them back up and be, and be strength for them. It doesn't matter why. What matters is that we have got to be in the business of putting people back together. We have got to be in the business of putting people back together. People say, well, we can't, we, we can't do what God can do, you know. Yes, you can. Yes, you can do what God can do. You can love people unconditionally. You can have mercy and compassion on people. You can forgive people. You can use your energy and your time to help people. You can encourage people. You can reach out to people. You can be kind to people. You can show the love of God to people. No, you can't save their soul, but by God, you can lead them to salvation instead of leaving them on the side of the road. You cannot heal them, but you can lead them to the healer. You cannot save them, but you can lead them to the Savior. You cannot fix them, but you can lead them to the one who can. 
this church has always been about reaching the lost as the church of the living God should be. We should reach the lost. We should make disciples. We should help each other. But there is a... There's a mentality that has crept into the church of the living God. And it's a it's it's self-righteousness almost. It's it's that's disguised as well, I'm just, you know, I'm just got my eyes set and I just got no time for distractions. I just gotta do what I'm called to do and people it's, it's such a movement right now for people to just say, you know, it, it, it's so easy now. It's like, it's like nothing for people to just say, well, I, I just cut negative people out of my life. People that, people that you know, they make, they make mistakes. I'm not going to be associated with them. People that, you know, I, I, I've got to keep, keep my mind positive and, and surround myself. I've got to have my circle that's, that's my, that people, you know, that I know I can trust and are doing right and things. But... I understand not being unequally yoked. But I reject this idea that people have today that we have the right to just write people off. And it's on both sides. There's a mentality that people who make mistakes, people that walk out, you know, they walk away from the church, people that fall flat on their face. There's a mentality that, well, they brought this on themselves. They hear it preached every Sunday. We, people invite them, people, you know, try, you know, people try and reach out to them and get them back. They still stay away. They still make the same mistakes. We, we've talked to them till we're blue in the face. You can only do so much for people. And I understand that to a certain extent. But there's a fine line to where it becomes toxic in the church. Because if God had ever decided, I have told him a million times. I have helped him back up a million times after he's fallen to the same thing over and over again. I'm done with it then I would be lost. And you would be lost. If God had had the same mentality that people have about people, we would all be lost. And even in the church, brothers and sisters that that are in the church, you know, it might be that they've fallen and we just say, well, I'm not God, I can't do what God can do, so I'll just pray for them. Yeah, pray for them. But sometimes you got to do a little bit more than pray for them. And maybe, maybe they, they've fallen, they, they've, they've hurt you. Maybe somebody in the church has hurt you. Maybe you've been, for whatever reason, there's, there's some kind of tension or some kind of bitterness or something going on. There's a, there's a great falling out sometimes. But if we can't restore one another, I'm trying to make this make sense today. This is it, so heavy on me today. I believe it's going to help us. You know, they, they, they got themselves into it. So what? 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. And he said, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And people take that and they say, well, that means, you know, us that are spiritual, you know, we've got the right to just beat them over the head with a Bible and restore them. We've got the right to scold them. We've got the right to, to, you know, to limit what they can do even if they're trying to do right again because they need to be put on restriction for a little while. We need to show them the error of their ways. But it's going to restore them. That doesn't restore people. I'm telling you, that doesn't restore people. Well, I, you know, I, I can, I, I'll restore them, but I'll never trust them again. I'll never trust them again. I'll never, I'll never believe a word they say again. I'll never believe that they're actually living right again. I'll reject that mentality today. It doesn't say, ye that are spiritual, beat them over the head with a Bible. It says, restore them. That means love them. Have compassion on them. Love them the way that God does. I don't care what they did. I don't care if they did it to me. I love them. I want them to be saved. I want them to be used of God. I want them to be fixed. I'm going to restore them. And I can only restore them with the love of God. I can only restore them with the peace of God. With compassion and mercy. And understanding. Romans 15 and 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And not to please ourselves. If we say, Well, I I see what they're really like now. Their true colors are showing now. When someone falls in sin, then then we are dead wrong. I see their true colors. I see that's how they really are now all along. That's, you know, you can't, you can't change people. You know, that's how they are. You just got to keep moving on. But the prodigal son, after he had left the father's house, wasted his, his living on harlots and all kinds of other ungodly things, had walked away from the father's house, done all these horrible things. The servants in the father's house probably saw that and said, well, we see what, his, what he wanted all along. We see how his mindset was all along. He couldn't wait to get out of the father's house. He couldn't wait to get out there and do all this, all this foolish stuff that he's doing. We see how it really was all along. But the Bible says that while he was in that pig pen, in the middle of all his wrongdoing, in the middle of the consequences of his sin and his wrongdoing. It says, when he came to himself, he realized, I've got to get back to the Father's house. When he came to himself, he realized, I've got to get back to my Father's house. This is not where I should be. And that shows me right there that who he was all along was still the father's child. 
just because he went out and he did those foolish things and he wasted his living on harlots and foolishness and all kinds of things. That was not who he was. Just because he backslid, just because he he walked away, just because he fell flat on his face, that's not who he was at his core. Something inside of him still realized, I still belong to the Father. He's still my Father. I still know where I belong, and this is not who I am. And the prodigal son may have realized it. But if the servants in the father's house would realize it, I know that's not who they really are. I know that's not who they really are. We've got to bring them back. We've got to welcome them. We've got to, we've got to love them back into the father's house because that's not who they really are. They made mistakes. They did foolish things. They, he hurt me when he left. It hurt when he turned away from the Father's house. But that's not who he is. I know it's not who they are. That wasn't who he was. When he came back home, the Father said, let's throw a party. We know this story. We tell it probably more than any other parable or account that Jesus gives. This story of the prodigal son. When he comes home, he he was going to say, you know, Father, just just make me just a servant. I don't even deserve, I'm not worthy to even be called your son. Just, you know, just please let me stay here again, basically, is what he was saying. So I don't have to live in a pig pen. Just if you if you want to put me in in the stables that we have here, that's better than the pig pen out there. Just Just let me back in. But the father ran to him, kissed him, fell on his neck. He said, put a ring on his finger, give him a robe, kill the fatted calf. We're having a party. We're celebrating because my son is home. But his own brother, basically the Bible says he moped around outside until the father noticed he wasn't there and came out and says he entreated him, said, Said, so what you know, what's wrong, son? What's wrong? He said, That boy took his inheritance, left your house, went out and, and disgraced our family name, went out and did all kinds of ungodly things, went out and wasted his living and, and, and embarrassed us. And he comes home, and the first thing you do is throw a party for him. The first thing you do is just act like nothing ever even happened. And the father tells him, you've been in my house this whole time. All that I have is yours. You don't have to have a party. You you ought to be able to celebrate every day, have joy every day. You're in my house every day. All that I have is already yours. But this is my son that was lost. This is my son that could have died in his sin, but now he's found How could we not celebrate? We need to be careful how we look at people in their mistakes. We need to be careful because this brother, in the mindset that he was in, the mentality that he had, he was unable to restore his brother because of his attitude towards his brother because of his outlook on the whole situation 
And maybe the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again because of their outlook at the situation. What's the point in even putting him back together? This is too hard to put him back He's done. The damage is horrible. How could we put him back together? Saying they couldn't when really they wouldn't. And I tell you that the tragedy of this story, had the prodigal son went out, done all that he did, and then ended up dying in the pig pen, the tragedy maybe would not have been that he died out there so much as it would be that maybe no one was trying to pull him back in. Maybe that brother was mad at him, was frustrated with him, never tried to even reach out to him from the time that he left, never tried to reach down and pick him back up and be his brother. That would have been the greatest tragedy. I'm trying today not to be all over the place. This this is not one of those things that's easy for me to preach. It's not one of those things that's comfortable to preach. It's not one of those things where, where it's just bullet points all the way down. you got your notes lined up and you know exactly what you're going to say. I'm trying to flow in the Holy Ghost right now. Luke 17 and 4. Jesus said, if... And if your brother trespass against thee seven times in a day and turns again to you seven times and says, I repent, he said, forgive him. And in John 12, I'm sorry, John 15 and verse 12, Jesus says this, This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. This is, this is all probably very familiar kind of teaching to us today. Because we're all about loving one another. We're all about unity. We're all about, you know, just showing the love of God. But there's a, there's a deeper level to this that I feel that God wants us to get a hold of today. And I, you know, I'm sorry we're not shouting and running the aisles and tearing up the carpet. But we will be handicapped if we don't get this. We've got people, let me, let me just divide it up and I'm coming to a close. If you want to stand with me, go ahead and stand with me. Musicians can come. Let me divide it up like this, though. There are people that we know that are fallen because of things that they have done and mistakes that they have made, choices they have made. And there are people in this place today that have fallen simply because life has beaten them down. Trials have made them weary. And left them half dead like this man on the side of the road. But I'm trying to tell us as the people of God today. 
our outlook on people's situations, no matter what it is, has got to be, no matter what I have to do, if I have to jump down off my horse and go to the side of the road and take them somewhere where they can be fixed, I'll do it. I don't care. I don't care if they got themselves into it. And I don't care how many times they've got themselves into it. I don't care if they hurt me personally. I don't care if they hurt me personally. I don't care if what they did was against me. I don't care if, if you know, it hurt people that I know and love. I don't care how hard the situation looks. I don't care how, how with just, just my ability, I can't fix it. I can still let God work through me. Probably me walking around. Or God just trying to wake somebody up that's nodding off. There's a love that God doesn't just want to show us from Him, but a love that He wants us to show to each other. And I'm trying... I'm trying so hard today to make this make sense. We cannot afford to come into the mentality that I am unable to restore my brother and my sister. We cannot come into the mentality that I, you know, it's just in God's hands now. We are the hands of and feet of God. He speaks through us and works through us. and We will be handicapped as a church forever until we realize that our love for people has got to go beyond what looks like a ridiculous amount of effort, what looks like an impossible amount of love, We always talk about, Lord, let our hearts be broken for the things that break yours. But we put a limited number of chances on people. We put a a, a limit as to, you know, the difficulty of what we can and can't help with, with people. And I feel today that God has given me this word. So that we would realize that the greatest tragedy is not... When someone falls. But when we are unable. To put them back together. Because of pride. Because of. Ego. Because of. Lack of faith. I don't know. There are so many reasons. So many things that leave us unequipped. To put people back together. But we need to ask God today to search our hearts, search my mind, my motives, my attitude, the way that I look at things. 
and realize that God has loved me in such an impossible way. And he said, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. The love of God wants to wash through this place today. And with it, with it, when the love of God washes through this place, if we will receive this today, then, then deliverance will come. Signs and wonders will come. Miracles will come because the love of God, it, it unlocks those things. But the love of God has got to be flowing first. I'm not saying today that we don't love one another. I'm not saying we don't care about one another. I'm just saying God wants to bring us to a place where we love and care about one another in the same way that He loves and cares for us. God wants to bring reconciliation in this place today. God wants to change our outlook in this place today. God wants to give us a tender heart in this place today. I promise I'm, I'm closing, I promise. God has allowed me, I believe, to go through many things so that He could put this mindset in me. And I'm not making myself anything. I have gone through many things where I have needed to forgive people and I have gone through many, many things where I have needed forgiveness. And I have learned there is not anything that someone can do to me. There are people in my past today I know that I wish they were in this altar today because I would fall on them. They've wronged me. Done things to me. I would fall on them. And I would pray for them for a breakthrough for deliverance, for what they need. And I would hope that if I, if the tables were turned, that someone would do the same for me. God just wants to show His love through us today. Can we come to these altars today and just allow the love of God? I know that it's heavy today. I know this is different today. But I wish that we could let the love of God wash through this place and change our hearts and change our minds and put in us the kind of love that's going to save people and bring people back to where they need to be again. The Lord loves you today, I promise. But let's let His love flow through us to one another today. Let's ask God to change us today.
chases me down, hides till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Listen, this, this thing is twofold today. The love of God is flowing so strongly in this place, but with it, there's a ministering spirit. That love has unlocked the door for people to be ministered to today and for God to use you to minister to people today. I wish right now that we could spend a few moments and make our way through these altars and we could minister to people. As you feel that liberty today, I wish that we could pray for one another. God still wants to do a work in this place today because His love is flowing so freely in this place. Let's minister to one another today and continue to pray.
close this weekend out than something that foundational like that that helps define our purpose because that's our purpose signs and wonders and miracles follow us but we're about bringing people to the king we're about bringing people to the savior we're about doing the work that he did and I tell you all the fire and things that we have, man, that's instruments to use in reaching the lost, and loving people and helping people. I think it all tied right together. Somebody asked me years ago after we started this church, they said, how did you decide on a name for your church? And I said, well, I really didn't decide on it. I said, the Lord decided it. I said, a few years before I ever even thought I would pastor anywhere or knew where I would pastor just riding down the road or something one day just me and the Lord you know and he said if you have a church he said well when you have a church he said you're going to name it Restoration Apostolic Church because it's going to be a place of restoration and that's what my pastor he preached restoration he preached about a God that can build waste places. He loved that scripture. And he would quote it so often how God could rebuild and, and, and put things back together. And I tell you, I believe it was just in order what he preached today. Me and Brother Doug were having a conversation last night talking about how uh, restoration of people needs to be a bigger focus and, and needs to be done better. And so I think he was just right on, son. I think it was tremendous. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise at this house. I'd like to, as we get ready to close and dismiss, to do as we have done the last couple of nights, if you would just take the hand of somebody beside you, because we're in this together. And we're not just in the business of seeing miracles together, but we're in the business of restoring people together. We're in this together. Now, would you lift that hand to heaven and then lift a voice to the Lord? Ah, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. Ah, thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're going to be at the, about the Father's business of restoring souls. 
We're going to be about the Father's business of reaching the lost. <laughs> We're going to be about the Father's business of preaching the gospel, loving people, showing mercy, having compassion. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give him a hand clap and shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you, God, for raising us up to do your work. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes somebody that has a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, natural, you know, that's, that's lost or, you know, they, you see the joy they have when they know my son came home, my daughter came home, my brother came home. They're so happy. But I want you to think about this. Every man or woman you see is somebody's son or daughter. <laughs> And you just might be the one that gets some parent or some loved one rejoicing because their loved one came home. So be ready always to give an answer. Be ready always to show the love of God. Be ready always to restore somebody. Praise God. Isn't God good? Let's give him one more hand clap. What a great. Lift your voice to him one more time in praise. Hallelujah. We're thankful for what you're doing, Jesus. We're thankful for what you're doing, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. What a tremendous, Lord, we thank you for a tremendous, tremendous weekend. We thank you for all the ministry that's gone forth. We thank you most of all for your presence that's been here, for the lives that have been changed, and for the lives that have been taught and equipped. And, Lord, we're thankful that, while you tarry, we have the ability to reach, to reconcile, to restore. Let us be the church that you called us to be. Let us be the people of the harvest. Let us be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being in services. If you've been to all of them, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Remember, no prayer tomorrow night at 7, but church will be going on Wednesday seven o'clock we're going to have a great time and the holy ghost is going to be wonderful god bless you shake one's every shake somebody's hand <laughs> i'm tired shake somebody's hand let them know you love them have a great week god bless you and you're dismissed in jesus name <laughs>